the inland port gives the state of Utah a level of sophistication that nobody else in the country has. And that's going to put us above and beyond when it comes to shaping our own economy for the next generation, which is a powerful concept. Ever since the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad in 1869, Utah has had a proud history as the crossroads of the West. As such, Utah is uniquely positioned for major long-term economic development. With this vision in mind, the legislature established the Utah Inland Port Authority to oversee the expansion and proper use of Utah's trade infrastructure. Joining us today to discuss more about the purpose of the Inland Port and their vision for Utah is Executive Director of the Inland Port, Ben Hart. Ben, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you. So, Ben, for those who aren't familiar with your organization, can you give us a brief overview of what exactly the Inland Port is? Yeah, it was established in 2018 by the Utah State Legislature, and it really had two main goals. One was regional economic growth. How do we grow regional economies? The second part of that was how do we also put in place logistics infrastructure? And people hear the word port and they totally get hung up on that. But let's talk about what that really is. It's really any place you can change cargo from a truck to a rail. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about a port. So some ports are really big, they're intermodal rail services, and some are small transloading facilities that just allow for the movement of goods from one mode of transportation to another. So that's really what we're focused on, and we've had really good returns over the last 12 months or so. Who exactly sits on this Inland Port board? Well, we've got a great board. The Speaker of the House appoints one person. We have one person who's appointed by the President of the Senate, Mike Schultz, Representative Schultz, was appointed by Speaker Wilson. Jerry Stevenson was appointed by President Adams. Then we have one joint pick between the two, Speaker and President. That is Miles Hansen currently. And then two from the governor, and that's Ryan Starks currently, and also Abby Osborne, who serves as Chief of Staff in the House. So right from the get-go, the tone is set. This is going to be collaborative. This isn't one above the other. This is how do we all work together. Now we've got three other positions, two of which are filled. They're ex-officio positions. One of them is Victoria Petro Eschler from the Salt Lake City Council. One is Bill Wyatt from the Salt Lake City Airport. Mm -hmm. And so what is the advantage of having such a diverse board? What does that mean to you as a mission? And how does that affect your operations? Well, let me speak to those non-voting board members. I think a lot of people think, well, they don't have a vote. They have more influence than I think most people would think. And Victoria is very wise and very passionate about what she feels is right. Bill is just so experienced, has so much great knowledge in logistics and a lot of government experience. And so I think the diverse perspectives of each board member really blends into something that is really harmonious. And you remember a couple of years ago, we had 15 board members. I was a board member at that point. It didn't work. It was dysfunctional. There's no way you could get 15 people to agree on something. But now we have the opportunity to come together. Everyone's able to voice their opinion. And we're able to come up with something that works for everybody. So, so far, it's been it's been a good mix and we've had great board oversight. Mm -hmm. Now, for those people who might have heard of the Inland Port before, the image that is always conjured up in their mind is there's some sort of facility out past the airport in that northwest quadrant area. But that's not entirely accurate as to what the Inland Port is. Can you talk about what is the actual infrastructure that goes into the port and what does that look like statewide? Yeah, the Inland Port is a very interesting concept. Because it's not just about one facility, it's almost aspirational in some ways. It is, look, we've got to build a better transportation system here in the state of Utah. Think about just a couple of stats. So Utah has the highest number of trucks carrying cargo on their roads as a percentage, as opposed to any other state in the country. We have the highest percentage of trucks on the road. That's probably not great. 
92%. of air cargo that leaves our state actually leaves on a truck to go to another state, to LAX or to Denver or somewhere else. That's not good for our environment. It's not good for our economy. We have to have better logistics infrastructure here in this. In the Northwest Quadrant, we're still heavily looking at what it is we can build there that will have an impact. And so not just air cargo, but what are the right rail? We want to diversify not just the types of businesses, but the overall economy in that area. Doing so, we feel like we'll give those on the west side of Salt Lake County better opportunities for generational growth. But we have to create a better logistics system. We want a better economy through a better logistics system. So those two things go hand in glove for the port. Mm -hmm. And when you say better logistics system, what does that look like? This aspirational vision of what the inland port is, where do we envision our infrastructure being built out or what does that look like specifically? More cargo on rail, less cargo on trucks. That's going to be a better, more efficient transportation system. It's it's simply that easy. If we keep building out truck served warehouses and we just want to be a distribution hub, then we're not really creating things that are going to have an economic multiplier like they can and should. So I think what we're talking about is logistics that really, really helps to spurn advanced manufacturing type growth. So how do we couple those two things together? And we see this in Germany. We've seen this in a lot of places around the world. We see this in certain places in the United States. But here in the state of Utah, we've totally been dedicated to roads. And so that's a mentality, particularly for cargo, because that's our lane. That's a mentality that we're trying to break through and say, let's think about using rail if we're sending to a port or across the country or whatever it is. So Ben, could you talk a little bit about the unique geography that Utah has to offer? We are, like we said, the crossroads of the West. We've got two of the major interstates that flow through our state, major rail lines, as well as a world-class airport. Could you talk about the advantages that all of that infrastructure really provides us as a state? Well, crossroads of the West and crossroads of the world, right? When it comes to our position, our ability to move goods and quite frankly, to move people as well, we have a competitive advantage there for sure. We have to take advantage of that. So can we get some flights into Asia? That would be awesome. You know, can we bring in a major cargo carrier air-wise? The rail side, you know, what do we do to build out and provide more opportunity? We just had a good example of this. So expanding out from just the Northwest Quadrant, we established an area in Iron County. So there were no places to load rail in all of southwestern Utah. BZI still comes along. Within 10, 12 months, we're able to get them alone. They're able to start building the infrastructure. They used to send all of their still through the northwest quadrant and truck it down to Cedar City. Now that still comes straight into their front door. That's a much better scenario. It's better for them as a business, but it's also better for our road system. It's better for our air quality. So how can we continue to create these efficiencies? Well, if you don't have opportunity to load and get whatever your commodity is, then ultimately you're just going to put it on the road. So we've got to create better access and opportunity. We also want to work with Union Pacific and the other short line providers in the state and make sure that we're getting as good a service as we can to our different businesses in different regions across the state, because that's critical. If you don't have good on-time service, you're not going to use rail either. Mm. So. So the port really allows an opportunity to decentralize a lot of the logistics and bring them out to more rural areas of the state, make things more efficient, and reduce congestion along the Wasatch Front. Is that fair to say? You got it. And you think about it, Iron County is so much closer to the ports in Los Angeles or Long Beach. Do they need to come back up to Salt Lake City? Or could you just create a lane there? We've seen Union Pacific just recently open up a new expedited intermodal service from Houston. So back to your point in terms of being able to provide good access all over the country, we're seeing new shipping lanes that are opening up even from the Gulf Coast. So I think it really is, how do we disperse all of this? You used a really good word. Instead of trying to centralize all of that logistics mass in the Northwest Quadrant, how do we disperse it 
and provide that economic opportunity for everybody in the state. Because in the rural parts of the state, we're still suffering. We still need economic growth. So this is a great way to help spur some growth. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that the port is currently working on right now is establishing all of these project areas throughout the state. Can you talk about the project areas? Yeah, well, so the Northwest Quadrant, the jurisdictional area is the most important by far. It is the one where we're already receiving tax differential. But now we have our first one that we created in Iron County. I'm going to test my memory here, see if I can get them all. But over the past several months, we've now established them in Beaver County as well, Juab County, and then also in Tooele County in the next couple of months. We'll have those two up and running. Spanish Fork and then Box Elder County. We're working on some stuff in Weber County. We'll kind of see what happens there. But no, we feel like expanding and decentralizing was absolutely critical to the success of the organization. Mm -hmm. And not only does that help the logistics run better, but that also spurs the economic development within those local communities, which is the lifeblood of those communities. It totally is. And I mean, you talk about generational economic growth. These rural communities need this growth. You think about the exact opposite of what's happening up here along the Wasatch Front. They don't have jobs for their kids. I mean, they barely in some counties have jobs for parents. Definitely different economic situations than what you've got here along the Wasatch Front. How do we attract good jobs to the community? make sure that we have every tool that we can put on the table. How do we become a resource to assist these communities achieve their long-term economic goals? That's exactly what we're doing. And so you talked about the work that the Inland Port has done over the last couple of years. Going forward, what are the major projects that you and the port see as kind of the number one priorities for you to tackle? Well, I think the Northwest Quadrant here in Salt Lake City is absolutely the top priority. I think we've got to make sure that we take on our big projects and We've got a big one that's going to be coming up. Our big project is going to be working to remediate the uh, former Salt Lake City landfill site at 7200 West and I-80. That will be several hundred millions of dollars worth of work. And ultimately, it's going to represent a really significant opportunity for the west side of Salt Lake. I mean, here you're taking something that was a landfill that literally is leaking right now onto neighboring properties and trying to clean it up and put it back into the economy in a way that is really going to help spur economic growth. We want the best of the best advanced manufacturers. We want, you know, rail coming across the site. We want rail served facilities and businesses. But this for us is going to be something that we feel like maybe is even more important than the point economically. It's right next to the airport. It's close to downtown. And we feel like it's going to have a huge impact on the west side of Salt Lake County, but also the future of the state of Utah. So that's going to be a critical project for us, making sure that we build out these project areas in a way that really economically serves their communities. We won't be doing 12 projects again next year. We'll be working to really build out the quality of these project areas that we've already established. Mm -hmm. So, And in addition to the project areas, the Inland Port is also currently working on a lot of the wetlands policy. Can you talk about that as well? Yeah, so our board at our last meeting actually reviewed a new policy. One of the things that we've been sensitive to is the fact that there's a lot of rail near the lakes. It's the way Utah was built, good, bad, or indifferent. There's a lot of rail near the lakes. So that puts us in some places into sensitive land areas where we've got to be good stewards. We don't want to ever help destroy wetlands. We want to make sure that where we can, we actually not just are good stewards and neighbors, but through our project areas, we're actually creating money that will go back into those wetlands and potentially into the Great Salt Lake as well. And so this new policy will be reviewed by our board and potentially finalized at their discretion on November 5th or November 6th, our next board meeting. But we're not just going to be good neighbors and good stewards. We're going to be part of the solution. We want to create money to actually help save these wetlands. Mm -hmm. Now, Ben, what are some of the upcoming projects that you're most excited about? And what are some of the things that you are personally most eager to see? 
Well, I'll tell you, you know, I was in a really good job. I was at the governor's office of economic opportunity. I was loving life, but this job came open and I realized and knew very early on the Inland Port had very unique capabilities and tools that could dramatically reshape the state of Utah for good. And I felt like those tools were going dramatically underutilized. And to me, that was just something that we had to fix. And so I felt like I wanted to put my hat in the ring, not because I felt like I was special or anything of that nature. It really was how do we make this organization function for good for the state of Utah. Those who had the vision of the Inland Port had a tremendous vision for how this could shape the state of Utah. They expected big things from this organization. It has the ability to deliver big things if we do it right. I think I'd also mention that this has never been done across the United States. Usually you've got your Department of Transportation. It's separate from economic development. You're kind of harnessing these two things together in a really powerful way, but I don't think we've ever seen these type of tools that have been utilized the way that we are. So all of that is a very long ways to say that when we look out of the future of what the Inland Port can actually accomplish, I think we're talking about tremendous things. I think we're talking about actually creating positive generational economic growth in rural parts of the state. I think we're, we're talking about attracting the best and the brightest businesses to the state. I think we're talking potentially about, you know, research partnerships and things like automation that serve advanced manufacturing. I think we're talking about a better, cleaner environment, not only in wetlands, but also in our air quality. The Inland Port gives the the state of Utah a level of sophistication that nobody else in the country has. And that's going to put us above and beyond when it comes to shaping our own economy for the next generation, which is a powerful concept. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the future of the Inland Port. But I think if we can create a better quality of life, better economic opportunity, a better environment for future generations, then we're hitting the mark. And and that's exactly where I see us going. So, Ben, is there anything else that you would like to express to members of the community or to citizens of the state, really, that are curious about the work that you're doing and looking forward to the work that comes out of the Inland Port? Well, the best is yet to come. That would be my message. I think the last 12 months, we had a leadership change. We went through an audit. We would acknowledge there were some things that we had to clean up and get right. And so now we're 12 months into this and we feel like we've got an organization that is very sound. We've got all the right internal controls. We built this organization, had to rebuild it from the ground up the last 12 months. Now we have the opportunity to perform and to be able to provide good results for the state of Utah. I think everyone over the next several years will become more familiar with this organization. That's my hope. And they'll have an opportunity to work for a company that we get to help bring in or their kids will get a chance to do an internship with one of the companies that we're working with or they're going to have a lot fewer trucks on the road because they're going to see more rail. There's just countless ways I think we can make a really positive difference. Well, we're really looking forward to seeing exactly what that positive difference is. We're grateful for you and the work that you continue to do and look forward to that best yet to come. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.